Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I started last week's show saying it was the best football weekend of the year, and that might have been the greatest football weekend we've ever seen. So let's hope championship weekend is just as epic on Sunday. Uh, I, I'm not sure if my heart could handle a, another Chiefs and Bills kind of game, so I'm hoping the Kansas City Chiefs just take care of business against the Cincinnati Bengals this week and, of course, the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. The rubber match, well, I guess it's not really a rubber match. The Niners swept the regular season series, but it's the third matchup between those two teams, and we'll see how Sean McVay fares this time against Kyle Shanahan. But I need to welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Kate is out this week, so it's just me and Justice. We're going to go through these championship games and talk about some of our favorite betting angles, fantasy angles, and stuff like that. But before we do, I want to get into some of the head coaching headlines across the NFL because there's going to be some drastic impact based on the head coaches and where they land with some of these young teams, uh, especially for fantasy gambling purposes, the way you look at these things for the foreseeable future. So, Justice, I, I want to start with the Chicago Bears. They hire Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberfluss. Uh, I think that's how you say it. I, I feel like every time I say his name, I, I change it a little bit. Like I pronounce it a little, Just a little tweak. Just a little <laughs> yeah. tweak. Yeah, it changes every time I say it. Uh, they also hired Chiefs Director of Player Personnel Ryan Poles as their new GM. Um, Ryan Poles sounds like he's going to be a great general manager. Um, Chicago, they're still trying to build that thing around Justin Fields. They definitely need an infusion of talent on that roster. And Ryan Pohl seems like he's going to be a guy who can really get that thing done. Now we'll see how this thing plays out with hiring a defensive head coach. Uh, I, I don't know where you stand on this, Justice. For me, in the modern-day NFL, I, I think hiring offensive-minded head coaches is the way I would tend to lean more often. But it really comes down to when you're looking for a head coach – you need a guy who can basically just be like a CEO, be be a manager, be a guy who is good at putting a strong staff in place and then managing people and kind of directing your staff. Like some of the best head coaches in the NFL, that's how they are. Uh, Harbaugh in Baltimore, I, I think, is exceptional at that, it, it putting a great staff together and, and managing his team and the expectations of their franchise. So, Matt Eberfluss, see, I think I changed it again, from the Indianapolis Colts. By all accounts, he, he seems like he could be that guy, even though he's a defensive-minded head coach, and you've got what you hope is a young franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. Now it kind of we have to see what they do with the offensive coordinator position because I think that's going to be really important for a player like him moving forward. Yeah, um, I looked up the uh, pronunciation guide. It looks like it's Eberfluss. Eberfluss, so, not Fluss. Eberfluss. Yeah, so let's just go down uh, kind of his resume a little bit. So he was he he played at Toledo, um, ended up getting his first start at Toledo. You know, there then with Nick Saban, people forget. You know, Nick Saban did have you know an, a march up before he ended up at LSU. You know, winning that championship the first time. He ended up leaving uh, Toledo with Gary Pinkle, who ended up becoming the head coach of Missouri and was a coach there at Toledo. Um, so he was a defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2008 there. Developed some NFL guys like you guys remember, like uh, Sean Witherspoon and stuff like that. Like those guys came from you know, under his watch. Ended up in the league for about, you know, a decade before uh, being promoted to a defensive coordinator with the Colts. And that whole situation was weird, right? Because he was part of that staff that was hired under the presumption that Josh McDaniels was going to be the head coach, right? And they all got paid. And then the whole decision came with like, all right, Frank Wright's here. Like, uh, what do we do? Do we fire all these guys and they still get paid? And Frank Reich, you know, gets to name his own staff or do they stick around? He ended up being one of the guys who stuck around. I think the Colts have done a pretty good job. I mean, especially you, you talk about his kind of position of expertise. It's been 
linebacker and you look at like what guys like you know Darius Leonard have looked like under his watch and it's like yeah I mean this guy seemingly has done a pretty good job um so him being hired as the Chicago Bears head coach is still kind of interesting to me I mean to your point you would think that they would go after an offensive guy just because you know you want stability there for a young quarterback I mean how many times have we seen guys like um I mean this is an extreme example but a guy like Jason Campbell right who had something like five offensive coordinators in his first five years. And it's like, you kind of want some stability, stability there. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of these hires seem to be just who, who was the last guy here and who was the opposite of him? I mean, you look at Miami, right? Um, They're finalists. They got three guys. They're all offensive guys after Brian, Brian Flores. Uh, You look at Denver, they hired, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, an offensive coordinator after they canned, um, spacing out his name uh fangio yeah (laughs) vic fangio um so yeah i mean it's interesting but it just makes the offensive coordinator hire so much more important there and we've seen some finalists you know pop up um luke getsy is the one that actually like really surprised me because you would think nathaniel hackett's leaving green bay um, the Packers already said that they wanted to promote in-house. They have two guys, you know, Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach, who's a run game coordinator, and then Luke Getze, who's a quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. You would think one of them gets promoted to that offensive coordinator's position if, you know, LaFleur's words do, are true. And uh, Getze already took an interview with the Carolina Panthers when their offensive coordinator search, you know, went far and wide. They had like 20 guys interviewed for that gig. He wasn't a finalist for it. You know, who knows if that was a him decision or a Panthers decision. But if they're able to land Gutsy, that'd be a pretty big deal because Gutsy, I think, is kind of the guy who brings in all the RPO stuff. Like you look at what LaFleur's background is, doesn't really have RPO. You look at Hackett's, you know, prior experience, are not RPO heavy. And Gutsy is the guy who comes from that Joe Moorhead tree who, you know, he was just the offensive coordinator at Oregon, but, you know, he had been at Penn State. Um, he had been at, you know, the FCS level. He had been at Mississippi State for, for a couple seasons. Um, he's now at Akron now, which is his alma mater. And Getsy was actually considered to be a head coaching candidate there at Akron before, uh, you know, Moorhead took that gig. So if you get if you get Getsy, not only do you basically ensure like, hey, Aaron Rodgers probably isn't coming back to Green Bay because why would he come back when both as offensive coordinator – and quarterbacks coach left in Green Bay. But we also get an RPO type of guy who can kind of help Justin Fields a little bit transition into the league. I think that would be a great hire. Unfortunately, I'm saying this as a Packers fan, like, please don't hire a Getsy. Like, keep him in Green Bay. But if he does go to Chicago, I mean, he's going to have play calling duties, right? And that's something that he's not going to have available, you know, with the Packers. Yeah, it does feel like it's a total Bears hire, right? Like... The Bears, as a, just an organization and a franchise, like it, it feels like there's always been this mentality of like build around defense. When your approach right now should be, we've got Justin Fields, we know he struggled as a rookie, but you saw enough glimpses from him as a player that like that's the cornerstone of this team. You got to build around that guy, and you got to give him a chance to succeed because I think Justin Fields has a really high ceiling if you put the right pieces around him. And so where they move forward here is going to be really important. Like the bears are a team you got to expect. They're not going to have Allen Robinson next season. Uh, You, you loved what you saw from Darnell Mooney this year. He's a a player on the rise playmaking wide receiver, but their offensive lines bad. Their defense has a lot of holes. Like they, they need a a big infusion of talent. So I, I think Ryan Poles can be a guy who has a high impact there. Um, But yeah, the offensive coordinator hire here is going to be really important for a player like him and his development. And I want to see Justin Fields succeed because I I think Justin Fields has a chance to be a really special quarterback if he he gets that opportunity to do so. Uh, You mentioned the Miami Dolphins, and right now their finalists are Kellen Moore uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McDaniel from the San Francisco 49ers, and Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills. All offensive minded guys, which makes sense. Um, you know, it's we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast. It's you know, right now it's pitch us on Tua, 
Like, what can you do with Tua? Can you make him a franchise quarterback? Can you make him look better and make him move past the limitations that we saw from him in his second year in the NFL? And so that's what all these guys are going to try to pitch here. Um, As I mentioned, I think if you have a young quarterback that you're trying to develop, hiring an offensive-minded head coach is the way to go. I, I think all of these guys have a chance to be strong offensive head coaches and we'll see kind of how that plays out. I would be really shocked at this point. If Brian Dable does not get a head coaching job this time around based on the development that we've seen from Josh Allen, what he did. And, you know, even, even if it's just coming off of that insane divisional game, divisional round game against the Kansas city chiefs, like, that should be enough if you're looking for an offensive-minded head coach that Brian Dable is a guy that you want coaching a young quarterback you're trying to develop. Yeah, I think the big thing with Dable, well, let's loop this back to kind of the Bears mindset, right? If, if you're going after Eberflus, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to say, like, he's kind of like the culture structure guy, right? If, if you're going to hire Eberflus, it's not because he's, you know, a genius play caller or anything like that. It's because you know, organizationally, he's going to build structure around you, especially under a young general manager, right? Um, Dayball is kind of the opposite, I kind of think, because he's coaching from the booth. He's calling plays from the booth. And then you're asking this guy to transition from, you know, calling plays from a booth to calling plays, you know, on the field or just being kind of like that, you know, leadership type of guy. And, and that transition is so big. And he kind of called his shots um, last year, right? When the what was it when the Chargers job uh, ended up going elsewhere? And what was it? The Eagles and Texans were still open. Daywall was like, oh, I'm going to wait around for another season. Right. So he was able to call his own shot kind of in, in that respect, um, which is what Dan Quinn is doing right now. He, he was in the running for this. And, you know, when he lost the uh, Denver gig, he was basically, nope, I'm out. And then Chicago was like, all right, we got to grab Eberflus now then um, before he ends up, you know, taking that flight to Jacksonville, which is a whole other mess. The Dolphins is kind of interesting because a lot of these guys don't have a ton of experience. Like Kellen Moore was just a player recently. And, you know, he is a play caller from the field, which is, you know, at least worth uh, a little bit of merit. Mike McDaniel is not even the play caller in San Francisco. He's just like a quality control type of guy, basically for Kyle Shanahan. And he helps in the game plan process, which does have its merit, but you know, typically you don't see those guys, you know, take that, that fast jump all the way to head coach, you usually see those guys, you know, go the 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 Matt LaFleur route where, you know, hey, I'm going to go be an offensive play caller for someone else for a year before I take this head coaching gig. So it is interesting. I do really think that this is just a fo- – between the general manager sticking around, between Flores getting canned, and then having three finalists all be offensive coordinator uh, candidates, it really does feel like the ownership is just like – Whoever could tell me the nicest thing about what you can do with Tua, that that's our guy. Yeah. And, you know, we we've talked about the Tua non and all the conspiracies. Like if you watch Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tunga Vilo, like he's got limitations right now as an NFL quarterback. Like there's certain things he just really can't pull off physically. But if you get the right guy in place, you hope that schematically you can find ways to make him succeed. Kind of like, you know, Kyle Shanahan has done with Jimmy Garoppolo during his time in San Francisco. So you want that kind of guy around Tua because I I think that the odds of Tua like developing into a superstar quarterback or something like that, I think are probably slim. But if you get the right head coach in the right scheme guy who can kind of figure things out and do everything he can to make it easier for Tua, then that's what you want. So I, I think all of those guys are, are interesting candidates. The Las Vegas Raiders are interviewing Josh McDaniels, Patriots, longtime Patriots offensive coordinator, former Denver Broncos head coach. Uh, they've also been linked to Jim Harbaugh a little bit. This is both of these guys. If either one of them wind up going to Las Vegas, we've talked about it a ton with Harbaugh, especially it's, a Raiders kind of hire. It's a swing for the fences. Uh, another, you know, John Gruden type of hire. I think the thing with them choosing to approach these kinds of candidates is 
okay, but we're not taking any less money than John Gruden was making. So if you want us, if you want me to leave New England, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you want Harbaugh to leave Michigan, it's yeah, okay, fine, but you got to pay us that Gruden kind of money for us to make another jump here. Right. And the other thing, too, is, you know, general manager wise, they're looking at Dave Ziegler, who, you know, obviously has Patriots ties. So it kind of seems like, you know, a Patriots administration of like, hey, you know, the the offensive play caller and the pseudo GM in New England, we're just going to go buy those guys. Right. And and we're going to try to start like Patriots West in a way that other teams not, haven't necessarily been able to do. Like they've been able to hire, you know, Patriots assistants, but they haven't been able to hire pseudo GM and the guy who's been there for, you know, a decade plus. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting. I kind of feel like the fact that this is opening up a little bit makes it so like the Harbaugh stuff is less likely to happen. And that's more just like reading the tea leaves. But at the beginning, when they just interviewed Basaccia and they interviewed, uh, who was it? Mayo, Gerard Mayo. Um, that's, that's, the actions of a team that is trying to swoop in and get a college coach and hire him pretty quickly. Bringing in Josh McDaniels and hiring a strong general manager candidate isn't necessarily how you'd go about it if you're still in the Harbaugh uh, race, right? Like we've seen Harbaugh have issues with general managers. We've heard Harbaugh burns people out all the time. Like Harbaugh, if he comes in, he would be hiring his own guy, right? You don't hire a guy to pair with Harbaugh. So I kind of think like this is, this is probably going to happen if the money is right. And I don't think McDaniels will pull the same thing again that he pulled against the, the uh, Colts where, you know, Hey, I, I say yes. And then, Oh, JK, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. Like you can only do that so many times before uh, people stop interviewing you entirely. The other thing that'll be interesting is like, what does that look like in new England? Then, if, if McDaniels is gone, because everyone's always talked about, you know, Hey, there's going to be a transition of power and McDaniels is going to take over at some point, you know, who knows when Belichick is leaving, but he's still GM and head coach. Like who's left. Cause they, th that roster in terms of the coaching staff just gets turned over all the time. Like, is he going to give the team to one of his kids? Are they going to have like an actual coaching search after Belichick is gone? Cause I, I feel like if McDaniels leaves Belichick, no longer can name a successor, right? If you're Robert Kraft, yeah. you're like, no, we got to go a different direction. Like, why am I just going to turn over the team to whoever you say? They're going to bring back Bill O'Brien. <laughs> He'll be the which Alabama. Hey man, that makes Alabama Crimson Tides fans the happiest people on earth because Bill yeah. O'Brien did not have a great year uh, with that program. So I don't know the the Bill O'Brien getting pushed for other jobs situation kind of feels like Nick being like dog we gotta we gotta get you a gig somewhere else because i really <laughs> yeah. don't want to fire you like yeah. that would be pretty embarrassing for both yeah. of us like we've seen him do in the past he's just like all right you you had your rehab year here in alabama now get get out the door and go find it yep. feels like he's fed up with him so it is the mcdaniels thing is interesting because I, I i would be curious to know what those conversations were really like because when he Pull, pulled the whoop-de-doo on the Colts uh, a few years ago. It seemed like, okay, well, he's guaranteed to take over for Belichick now. But like Bill Belichick, it doesn't seem like he's retiring from coaching anytime soon. And especially now that like, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild where they've got Mac Jones and they want to see what they can do with him. And I still think that Belichick, you know, despite what he says, is like, I got to prove I, I can do this thing without Brady. And so I, I don't see him retiring anytime soon. So curious to see how that goes with the Raiders and, and where they go really as a franchise, because, you know, they were a competitive team this year, made it to the playoffs who, who and after dealing with everything that they dealt with, I, I think that is something they can really hang their hats on. But as far as talent goes, I, I don't know how close the Raiders truly are, especially when you're staring down multiple matchups with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert every single year. Yeah. yeah. The, one of the funny things, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see what David Carr said on NFL network this week? No, he was like, yeah, like, you know, I hope Derek finishes his career out with the Raiders, but like, we need some assurances here. And I'm like, Whoa, Derek Carr is calling his shots now. Like <laughs> the Packers fans are talking about trading, you know, for, for Derek Carr as like a, yeah, Hey, this is a cheap option. Like I didn't realize Derek Carr is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, he's doing the Russell Wilson thing where he's like, I, I need a, 
we need to start winning games for my legacy. And it's like, whoa, yeah. settle down. So I, I, you know, and I wonder that too, because if I'm the Raiders staring at Derek Carr, like in Derek Carr, to his credit, has been a fine NFL starting quarterback. He like, should always find work. Like he, yeah. he should never be a free agent. Like, period. yeah, like, like he would get scooped up uh, immediately if he was an available free agent quarterback or something like that. He He's a fine starting NFL quarterback, but he's not a franchise quarterback. Like he's not a guy that's going to take you where you want to go. And so I think it just depends on the perspective that whoever they bring in has on that roster, because from the outside looking in, you're not a Super Bowl team and, and you got a long way to go to be a Super Bowl team. So if you're going to keep trying to build this thing around Derek Carr, I, I don't know how far that's really going to take you. As far as the Denver Broncos go, they officially hired Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Justice, so is this going to speed up the the Rodgers to, to Denver process now? Is, is the Denver Broncos finally going to get that quarterback in place for all these young offensive weapons they've been storing up over the last couple of years? You would think so, but like if if Denver is trading for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are going to get something back, right? And it can't all just be draft picks that are going to be you know twenty eighth overall or or later. So you would think that like Jerry Judy or you know they don't have the money to even you know be able to grab Bradley Chubb is is the other thing. So it'd have to be guys like Jerry Judy end up going to Green Bay. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean. Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who's an outgoing free agent too, you know, tweeted support for for Nathaniel Hackett on the way out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they really do try to go after the Rodgers, Devontae Adams, MVS, you know, type of combination because you would think that that would be a lot of picks, right? I mean, look at what Stafford got. Okay, that's, you know, pl- add on top of that, that's what Rodgers will cost. Plus you're trading for, you know, one of, if not the best wide receiver in the league that's going to cost some money too on a tag and trade. So I don't know. I would think that it's too hard to add Rogers and Adams on a single team just because of the cost that it would take to acquire them. Plus green Bay is a very, like they just hard, they hardballed Devonte Adams. They still haven't given him a contract. Like they, they, they've seen what he's done the past couple of seasons and they still haven't given him the damn money. So of course, yeah, they're going to play hardball. That's what they do. Like they, they basically, forced Brett Favre to spend a year with the New York Jets, you know, grumpily playing for them before he could end up playing with the Vikings. He wanted to play with the Vikings or he wanted to play with the Bucks because they had the Packers on the schedule and the Packers were like, we'll send you anywhere, but someone who's going to play us immediately. So yeah, yeah they're going to play hardball. Um, hack it as far as like a hire. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because he wasn't a play caller really in green Bay. He was in Jacksonville prior. Um, seems like a great guy, but again, being that like structure guy, I feel like is totally different than being a play caller. And he's a couple years removed from that. The thing that I will say, if he does bring you Aaron Rodgers as a recruiting pitch, that's worth the hire in and of itself. And the fact that they were, it seems like they were having a negotiation with him late on Wednesday. He never even took that flight when he was supposed to be scheduled to have a second interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday something must have changed at least in terms of the recruiting and you know all of that because it really seemed like they were down to him and Dan Quinn and they weren't sure who really they were going to hire out of that group and then it quickly turned on Thursday night to we got to get Hackett before he takes that plane to Jacksonville yeah and you know for the Broncos coming off of Vic Fangio and I I don't think it's it's not just Aaron Rodgers like that's the guy I feel like we've talked about to Denver the most because it would just simply be the most fun probably like just from a football standpoint, like what he could do with the weapons that they already have there. It's acquiring Rogers and Devonte Adams while it would be spectacular. I agree with you. I, I just don't know if they could pull that off, but I'm not shocked that they're going offensive minded because it's whether you're pitching Aaron Rodgers or some other veteran quarterback, because they have to get a quarterback in there. It's, I think it's a smart move to hire an offensive minded head coach as part of that pitch. And then you say, we've got Cortland Sutton, we've got Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Javante Williams looks like he's going to be a star. So you've got the weapons in place. Now you've got the offensive minded head coach. All of those things are going to add to the pitch. And 
you know, if they did want to do something crazy like acquire Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Cortland Sutton's a talented player who they've already re-signed, and he's got like an affordable contract compared to some other NFL wide receivers. So he's a guy that you could possibly offload, like without me looking at like the full details of his contract numbers. And then you still got enough pieces there, I think, even if you wound up moving somebody like him in a, a big time trade or something like that. Yeah, because what Rogers already is like 38 years old. He's not going to want to learn a new system. It's not like there's a ton of guys elsewhere. I mean, the, the two guys that I would point to as like Rogers type of guys not in Green Bay right now is, you know, obviously now Hackett in Denver and then uh, Alex Van Pelt honestly, in Cleveland. Like, that's kind of his dude. So I would say those are probably the two most likely places for him to land if he's not going to play in Green Bay, just off of learning the system. I mean, is he going to learn a new offense at 38 years old when he's already pondering retirement every season? Probably not. So before we take a quick time out and start breaking down these championship games, we got to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what's happening there? It, it it was being reported earlier in the week that like this thing was a done deal with Byron Leftwich, and then they kind of backtracked that a little bit, and now it seems to be a holdup there where they're still taking interviews with other people. It seems like Byron Leftwich is firmly in the mix to be their head coach, but the holdup here and why some other candidates are just simply refusing to interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars is General Manager Trent Balky, who we know is just simply one of the most despised general managers in football. He's had issues everywhere he's been. He's had problems. He has really not been a good general manager for the most part. And for some reason, Jacksonville Jaguars ownership is refusing to get rid of him. And it's been the holdup on them finding a new head coach. I think Byron Leftwich could be a really good head coach. And I'd love to see what his offensive mind looks like with Trevor Lawrence and, and trying to develop him because they certainly wasted his rookie season with Urban Meyer. And so now the question should be, how do we turn Trevor into our franchise? How do we make him our franchise quarterback? And it seems like Byron Leftwich is a strong answer for that. But for some reason, they're refusing to get rid of Trent Baalke when it seems like an easy answer, just fire him and bring in somebody that, that Byron Leftwich wants to work with and you're good to go. Yeah, I've I have a little bit of insight on kind of this situation and buddy, it's even messier than you think. <laughs> so it really does seem like Leftwich was about to get hired. The news came out that he was about to get hired, and then Jacksonville got real tight about the news coming out. And they thought, you know, it's the agency leaking out this stuff, which is not true. Um, I, I can say that for a fact. But you got to remember where Jacksonville's mindset was coming from, from 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 a, like a place of trust. Right. That's basically where all the Urban Meyer stuff eroded. So the fact that like, hey, this is leaking out. Where is this coming from? Like, we, we got to put an end to this. We should start interviewing other guys. Probably, it's probably coming from Trent Balky. It's it's a mess. The other thing, too, Leftwich is represented by Jimmy Sexton, who I believe represents uh, Trent Balky, too. So there's even another layer to this. At the end of the day. I think what's going to end up happening, Byron Leftwich is going to get hired as the head coach. The general manager is going to be Adrian Wilson. Um, Trent Baalke is going to have to step down as general manager and get another. He's basically going to be moved offices in Jacksonville. Um, it sounds like the uh, wide receivers coach for the Bucks is going to be the OC and the linebackers coach is going to be the DC. So this is going to be a super young staff if all this stuff goes through. I mean, we're talking about first-time head coach, first-time offense coordinator, first-time defensive coordinator, general manager who has only been in the business for, like, I think, like, a half dozen years or something because, he, you know, obviously played in the league. Um, that's not to say these guys aren't qualified for the gigs. It's just they're going to be really young. So it's going to be interesting to me to see, like, which former head coach are you guys going to hire as, like, the special teams coordinator or running backs coach or whatever that's going to get the assistant head coaching tag? Um, because that guy's going to have a ton of pull in the room. I mean, remember when uh, McVay, part of the whole thing with McVay, right, was when he got hired, he was so young that they were like, we need a Wade Phillips there to kind of like have this guy under his wing so that like he at least has some sort of structure 
you know, uh, above him and, you know, has people with experience over him. I think Byron's probably going to need that at some point because there's just going to be so much, so much youth in this staff. Um, the other thing, too, is Antonio Brown. If you hired Tampa Bay's offense or Tampa Bay's wide receiver coach as your offensive coordinator, and you hear how Antonio Brown talks about Byron Leftwich and how Byron Leftwich is very much a player's coach and is like, hey, how do we hit these incentives and stuff like that? If you're Jacksonville, where Urban Meyer was doing a weekly press conference talking about, we need speed, we need speed, we need speed, we need speed. And you can get a guy like Antonio Brown, who, when he's at his peak, plays like Jerry Rice highlights. That might might be worth a pitch. Like, that might be the one place in the league where I'm like, Antonio Brown should get another shot. Other than that, I'm like, stay away from him. But if you have a young quarterback like that who really needs a deep speed and you have you know, two guys who used to work hand in hand with Antonio Brown there in uh, Tampa Bay recently um, might make sense, right? Might make sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. With after coming off of Urban Meyer, I don't know if you really want to bring in Antonio Brown and, and just deal with the headache that he can be as a player. And I, I love Antonio Brown as a player, but but man, if if it couldn't work in Tampa with Tom Brady and trying to win rings, I, I just don't know where it's going to work for him. But as it's far as the the whole uh, I don't need mental health, I have mental wealth thing. Is like, <laughs> oh, I don't I don't know about that one. Yeah. The other thing yeah. too, uh, speaking about uh, Balky to kind of loop this stuff back to each other, um, Balky has always tried to cut corners in terms of player personnel and adding guys. And he's obviously still going to work in pro personnel stuff that the news just came out a couple weeks or uh, this past week with the uh, Ben Roethlisberger retirement that when one of uh, Ben Roethlisberger's sexual assault allegations happened, he immediately tried to trade for him uh, when he was a member when he was a GM of the 49ers. And it's like, yo, he tried to do like the Deshaun Watson thing before Deshaun Watson. Like, guys you can't it's a terrible look for the league if you try to trade for guys on a discount because of legal issues like we got the commissioner has to step in at some point on stuff like that he's he's like let me get let me get this dollar trade for ben roethlisberger before this controversy comes out jeez ah that's unreal yeah it's as far as Jacksonville goes, you know, if you're a dynasty fantasy owner of Trevor Lawrence or something like that, I'm still holding out hope for Trevor. They just got to get this thing figured out in Jacksonville. He's got too much potential as a player, and we didn't always see enough glimpses of it with him as a rookie. But, man, you, you'd you have to really dig to find a worse situation than they put him in as a rookie starting quarterback. But, Let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, we will break down both of these championship games, uh, start looking at some of the some of our favorite plays of the week, and Justice will, of course, have his favorite bets of the week when we get to our pick three. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. Y'all about to get ready to roll, man. So y'all put the kids to bed. I'm betting one more. Over. Under. I'm betting on myself. Across the board. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Championship weekend is here. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, it's a rematch of their Week 17 contest where the Bengals defeated the Chiefs 34-31. to That was a weird game, and I've been talking about it all week at Arrowhead Pride. Just or, uh, Jamar Chase went... 266 yards, three touchdowns, went absolutely nuts. And the Chiefs defense is coming off of a performance where they gave up 200 yards and four touchdowns to Gabriel Davis. So it seems like a smash spot for Jamar Chase, but I think some of the success that you saw last week against this Chiefs defense with Gabriel Davis had to do with the fact that they went in that game saying, we got to take out Diggs. We got to slow down Stefan Diggs. And so you saw a lot of like double coverage, bracket coverage on Stefan Diggs. And Gabriel Davis was just flying down the football field wide open. So I'd be a little cautious uh, if I'm attacking the Cincinnati Bengals offense, thinking they're going to have that kind of performance. And Joe Burrow went nuts too. He had like 446 yards uh, against this Chiefs defense. But I'm a little cautious on Jamar Chase this time around because 
Spags is going to come into this football game for the Kansas City Chiefs and say, that's the one dude who can't beat us. If everybody else beats us, we'll live with that. Like we lived with Gabriel Davis going absolutely nuts against us last week. Jamar Chase cannot be the reason that we lose this football game. My my one big question, what's Matthew looking like right now in terms of his health? Because that was the one he went down early in that game and it was like, ooh, that one could yeah. be something that could, you know, cost him a Super Bowl at some point. So he was a full participant in practice yesterday. Uh, he has not officially cleared the NFL's concussion protocol, but it's trending in the right direction. And Spags actually said that this week. He said, like, our entire game plan was kind of built around what we were going to do with Tyron last week against the Bills. He only played seven snaps and left the game with the concussion. So he was like, we just had to throw the whole thing out the window and <laughs> adjust on the fly. That's tough. And I bet he'll play. I mean, Joey Bosa played last week. Yeah, Joey Bosa flew out on a Thursday it's after getting a concussion right on a Sunday. And they haven't had Rashad Fenton yet in the playoffs, who's been a very solid cornerback for them this season. He's been practicing this week, so he's trending in the right direction for the Chiefs defense as well. What's going to be interesting to me is when Burrow's an empty, because we know how, how much they like that stuff. You know, that was kind of his calling card at, at LSU anyway, is that when you when you get him to the situation where he could just look at a coverage pre-snap, say, hey, I could just pick a side and then just deliver a ball to, you know, one of my great athletes. That's kind of where he thrives the most. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Spags does, because if they go into empty, you can only disguise stuff so much. And, and that's really kind of what Spags's calling card is, is that his players aren't necessarily the best players, but like he's going to do some psychotic stuff that you rarely see on a down to down basis in the league. So I think the empty stuff is going to be interesting. Um, the big question for me is just like, how long can that right side of that Bengals offensive line survive? I mean, we, we saw some bad right sides of offensive lines <laughs> these past couple of weeks in the playoffs and seeing how kind of thin the offensive line depth is in the league. And I think the Bengals right guard, right tackle combo might be the worst offensive line combo left in the playoffs. I mean, I know San Francisco got beat up pretty bad by uh, Rashawn Gary, but they, Tom Compton doesn't usually have those games. This has been a week-to-week issue with the Bengals. And if a guy like Melvin Ingram gets on his horse, like I could see Melvin Ingram getting like three sacks. Like that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. And so as far as their, um, as far as their, the Chiefs pass rush goes, like they have to put pressure on Burrow. In week 17, they sacked him four times. And I think we talked about it this week on NFL University is – the thing with Burrow is like he's going to eat sacks. His offensive line's not good, so it's on them, but sometimes it's on him too. But the thing with him is that like he'll eat them and then he'll come back the next play like you didn't even touch him. Like he's right. not one of these quarterbacks who who folds when you're getting in his face all day. He's going to continue to try to attack because that's just his mindset. So I don't think you can rattle Burrow with pressure, but and I and maybe you're not going to hit him nine times, sack him nine times like the Tennessee Titans did, but you should be able to put pressure on him at will in this game. And the big thing with him is that he's been eating a lot of sacks in the playoffs, but he hasn't been turning the football over. So if you can force him into some turnovers, I think that's what really matters here. If you can apply the pressure and, and get him into some bad decisions or, or force a fumble or something like that, I think that's what's going to be huge for them. And the Bengals offense has really kind of underperformed in the postseason. Like they've won two games, but you didn't come away from those games thinking like, oh, this offense can go toe to toe with the Chiefs or the Bills, like in that game that we saw last weekend. But there's still a lot of value in these lineups. And so while I would be a little skeptical about paying up for Jamar Chase, despite his two very strong playoff performances so far, I do think offensively for them, there is a lot of value in T Higgins and, and possibly Tyler Boyd this week. I, I, I don't love the matchup because he's going to see a lot of Legereus Sneed, who is one of the Chiefs best corners. Um, I, I think he could give Tyler Boyd some problems. He did have a touchdown against him in week 17. I think T Higgins is the guy to watch. If you wanted to target a wide receiver against the Chiefs defense who maybe not go for 200 yards and four touchdowns like Gabriel Davis did last week. I think T Higgins has a strong chance to have a very nice game here because he can do the same things that Jamar chase can as far as like just being physical, being a guy who can go up and get the football. And that's something the chiefs really struggle with. Gabe Davis is like that too. And he's, he's also, he can also burn you. 
I, I don't think of T Higgins as like a, a big time, like burner, but he can be a field stretcher because he's so athletic and big and can go up and get the football. So I actually love the value of T Higgins in this matchup. No, I agree. Um, I, I chase is chase will probably get his just because he gets his every game. Um, but yeah, I mean, being able to go to your outlets is going to be huge, especially in those empty sets and stuff like that. And you would think the, the more they go down, the further away they get away from that, you know, Joe Mixon under center offense. And we've talked about, especially on NFL University all year, that ha- the Bengals offense is really disjointed between their gun passing stuff and their under center run stuff. Like it doesn't mesh up very well. Like they're pretty predictable just in terms of how they line up, like what you think you're going to get. Um, you would think that if they're down to Kansas City, they they just like Joe Mixon might get like 25 yards in this game if the Chiefs come out and rip off that that first possession touchdown like they're known to do. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up Joe Mixon because I am avoiding Joe Mixon and all of my I wouldn't t- I wouldn't touch him. It doesn't make sense in this. He spot. is he's the most expensive running back on DraftKings in this championship weekend, which is a little crazy to me. He has been a little bit more involved in their passing game recently, so he is getting some work there. But it's not just that he's been struggling to get yards on the ground, even when he's been getting carries over the last month or so. The Chiefs' run defense so far in the playoffs has been fantastic, and their run defense has been lax at times this year. It's looked good at different times this year. I think that's kind of what the Chiefs' run defense is. But this is a game where the Chiefs offense is going to attack you and they're going to try to score 40 points. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of room for Joe Mixon to really contribute the way you need the most expensive running back on the slate to contribute to your lineup. So he's a guy I'm totally avoiding this week. I, I think CJ Uzama provides a little bit of upside uh, if, if you wanted to go away from the Kittles and the Kelsey's and, and get a little bit more value at tight end. He's been having a, a decent playoff run. Chiefs aren't great against tight ends, so I I think he can provide a little bit of value. And then before we move over to the Chiefs, Joe Burrow's price tag is a little bit high for me this week. I understand his upside, and he's been fantastic, but he's the second most expensive quarterback on championship weekend. And to me, that seems a little bit high when you can get Stafford. Yeah, when you can get a guy like Matthew Stafford in your lineup, I would rather do that over paying up for Joe Burrow. Like, you know, Burrow had two touchdown passes against the Raiders, but he blanked you last week against the Titans and didn't throw a single touchdown pass. I think that that's unlikely to happen this week, but when he's the second most expensive quarterback on the slate, I, I just don't think there's enough value. Like, you would need him to to legitimately outduel Patrick Mahomes. And I would rather pay up for Patrick Mahomes in this circumstance. Cause I feel like Patrick Mahomes floor is like four touchdown passes. All of, all of those DBs are still out for, uh, I mean, this is the other game, but all of those DBs are still out for San Francisco. Right. So I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I would, I would have Stafford ahead of Burrow in terms of projections moving forward. That was a good point about Uzama though, because the Rams just aren't going to use tight end production. And if you're not going to pay for Kelsey or Kittle, Uzama is definitely the best option. That very well might be what it takes because you figure you go down into the red zone, right? Either of these teams, you know, either the Niners or the Bengals. I mean, the one guy you're not going to want to, to give up a pass to five yards out are going to be those tight ends. You would think. So I think that's kind of different than Cincinnati where you're not thinking of Uzama in that way. And, the gravity of Jamar chase is just attracting so much attention. Yeah, it's yeah. And he, I think he had a decent game against them in week 17. As far as the chiefs offensive weapons go, uh, Tyree kill is the third most expensive wide receiver on championship weekend. I still think that there's some value there at the wide receiver position. It's, but As far as like the upper echelon wide receivers go, I would probably make the case that Tyree Kill is the best value at $7,000 because Cooper Cup is an insane $8,800. Debo Samuel, $7,200. And both those guys are stars. I'm not discounting what they've accomplished this season. Jamar Chase is coming in at $6,700. I already told you why I'm worried about Jamar Chase. 
Tyreek Hill at 7,000 feels like if you want to get one of those A-list wide receivers in your lineup, like he might be the best value. And I understand that he has struggled a, a little bit over the last few weeks. He's battling COVID, kind of getting back. We saw what he did last week, 150 yards, that uh, clutch touchdown where he threw up the peace sign at the 20-yard line with the defender still Absurd. ahead of him. Absurd. Like, that's, that's playoff Tyreek Hill. And we saw last week that – the Chiefs are gamers. They're so experienced in the postseason and on these big stages. So I, I want Tyreek Hill. I want Travis Kelsey. I want Patrick Mahomes, despite their price tags. I want those guys in my lineup, and I'm putting them in my lineup with confidence this weekend. I feel like we're definitely going to get a trick play out of Andy Reid this week. Oh, I mean, that's sure. what it, hopefully it's, it's not with Blake Bell. That's the question is like, all right, who is going to throw the bomb to Tyreek? Is it going to be Blake Bell or is it going to be Jarek McKinnon? That, that's the only question I have. I, I hope it's Jarek. Jarek, we got to get Jarek some touches. I, I don't like the Blake Bell offense. I feel like Jarek McKinnon, under center option, fake the option, throw it deep to Tyreek. That's good for 75 yards. Yeah, I would love that. And I love Jarek McKinnon this week. Uh, for some reason, Clyde is actually more expensive than Jarek McKinnon this week. Clyde's coming in at $5,300. Jarek McKinnon at 5100 And I think the idea there is that Clyde was a little bit more effective on the ground uh, against the Bills than Jarek McKinnon was. But it's pretty clear to me this Chiefs offense is going to utilize both of these guys. Jarek McKinnon ran a lot more snaps than Clyde last week, and Clyde was coming back from injury, so maybe that had something to do with that. Clyde only had seven carries, but he had 60 yards against the Bills, and he was running hard. And, and I think some of that was uh, Jarek McKinnon's playing too well. I, I, I got to get out here and perform. And it was great to see that from Clyde. But when, when it comes to the value, Jarek McKinnon has solidified his role in the Chiefs passing game. And he's added a dimension to their offense that they haven't had in several years now. And that's why he's been so effective. He's got at least six targets in both playoff games. So I love Jarek McKinnon at a slightly cheaper price tag than Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year. I think he's going to be heavily involved, even if Clyde gets more carries this week. Yeah, I, I really like what Jarek's brought to the table. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I guess you would think if they were playing like the Jets or something, I would understand Clyde Edwards-Alaire being ranked ahead of Jarek McKinnon just because you're like, we're going to have to run out this clock inside run game. You probably want him doing that instead of, you know, the guy who's kind of built like a wide receiver. I don't think they're going to step off the gas here. So if, if they're not stepping off the gas, I don't understand why – McKinnon isn't the best option out of the gun. I know they're going to split reps and stuff like that, but I just don't understand why McKinnon's usage would go down at all. You know? Yeah. He he's just simply been too good and, and he's helped make, you know, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and he had that incredible game against the bills and he didn't have a single throw of 20 air yards or more, which is absolutely insane for Patrick Mahomes. Part of that and the reason this offense evolved has all of a sudden come to life this way is because of what Jared McKinnon's added in the screen game and Andy Reid finally being able to dial up those things that he's been he's been so good at for so long. As far as the other Chiefs discount pass catchers go, they're all kind of in similar territories. Byron Pringles coming in at forty three hundred dollars. McCole Hardman's at four thousand. Demarcus Robinson thirty eight hundred. We've seen all these guys have their moments over the last few weeks. McCole Hardman finally being utilized a little bit more um, and, and getting those opportunities is just, hey, you're super explosive. Just go make an explosive play as opposed to just trying to use him as an outside wide receiver because that's just not really his game. But I think if I'm going to go discount Chiefs wide receiver, I think Byron Pringle is the guy that I want to target. He's got three touchdowns in the postseason. He's kind of solidified himself as that secondary wide receiver option outside of Tyreek Hill. And, and Patrick Mahomes keeps targeting him in the red zone. So at only $4,300, I think Byron Pringle is, is a great value if you wanted to go that way in your lineups this weekend. I would have picked Hardman just because I like shiny things. I'm like a crow, <laughs> right? I'm just like, oh, shiny. Like it. Ha Hardman, this is this is where it becomes really tough, right? We're talking about this offense in its entirety. Once you get the speed of McKinnon, Hardman, Hill, and then Kelsey in at tight end, holy crap, man. There's only so many matchups that we can handle in terms of speed. Like once Mahomes gets out of structure and it turns into a scramble drill, of course someone's gonna get open, 
right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's impossible to cover all of those guys for, for more than a few seconds as we've seen so far in the playoffs. So I I think the chiefs are going to be able to score this weekend. I I think we're, you can look forward to a lot of fantasy points from this offense in your lineups. As far as the NFC title game goes, the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams. It shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo is coming in as the cheapest starting quarterback on Sunday slate at $5,400. Justice, is there any circumstance in which you'd be like, I'll take a chance on Jimmy G this weekend based on the fact that he is yet to throw a postseason touchdown, but somehow San Francisco has won two playoff games. In his playoff career, it's something like four four postseason wins, two touchdowns, or something like that. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm not taking a shot on Jimmy G. I know you know one of his injuries got dropped on the injury report this week. I still don't trust him. I mean, he's 16 of 29, um, not including his sacks. You know, the last six quarters for 170 yards. I mean, he's basically averaging five yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, two picks, and that's not including his sacks. Um, they're not in this game if it's not for a long snapper having a punt blocked, like period. So, no, I'm, I'm not taking Jimmy at all. Any circumstances, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for one second. So, I agree. I, I, I don't think under any circumstance, like, you don't need to get that cute this week. Like, as I already mentioned, Matthew Stafford's a pretty good value in your lineup. You don't need to get cute saying – let me reach here and go with Jimmy G to try to get these other playmakers in my lineup. I, I I think Matthew Stafford is cheap enough that he's a great value to get into your lineup. You can still get some of these other major building blocks. I already told you Debo Samuel's the second most expensive wide receiver. As far as the Niners pass catchers go, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because we already mentioned how much Jimmy G struggled. He was not good last week against the green Bay Packers as a passer. And Debo Samuel is still as safe an option as you're going to be able to find because of the way they utilize him in the rushing game and the passing game. So if you want to spend up for Debo, I think that's totally fine. I'm real worried about George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk was totally blanked last week because they just simply couldn't pass the football. And George Kittle bounced back a little bit, but now we've seen two postseason games where they're not using Kittle as much in the passing game as you want them to for him to be such an elite tight end option. Now Kittle did have a really bad drop last week that probably could have gone for 30 plus yards if he hangs on to the football and his stat line winds up looking quite a bit different, but just based on the fact that Jimmy G is hurt and it just seems like they don't even want to throw the football with him. I'm having a hard time convincing myself to put George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk or even like a Jawan Jennings in my lineups this week. No, I agree with you. I mean, I'm real worried for Ayuk. I think Kittle, at least, you know, big body down low in the red zone, you know, you could feed him the ball a little bit. But if it comes down to Kelsey or Kittle being roughly around the same price, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. You go with Kelsey in that situation just because of the quarterback. Debo, I feel like, is going to eat. I mean, he had an uncharacteristically unproductive game against Green Bay. I think they did a lot of things to kind of try to take him out of the game. But when they needed him to make a play, he made a play. You know, at the end of the game, when they're trying to close it out, they used him. On third and long, we've seen it two games in a row where he converts third and long situations off of, like, end arounds and stuff. That's interesting to me. Um, the other thing about this Niners offense, just in general, and this doesn't have to do with fantasy, like, the the you we're using Trent Williams in motion as a tight end <laughs> offense and short yardage. That's disgusting. How do we allow this? They've done it in back-to-back playoff games. Seems unfair that you would be able to use the best offensive lineman in football in motion as like a like a wing tight end. Even Kyle Shanahan said this week, like, I couldn't believe it was legal, to be honest with you, but we're, <laughs> but we're allowed to do it. So we're going to keep doing it. It, it. it doesn't seem like it should be fair. Uh, as far as the Niners rushing attack goes, Elijah Mitchell, just to put into perspective how absurd it is that Joe Mixon is the most expensive running back this weekend, Elijah Mitchell coming in at $5,900 is $900 cheaper than Joe Mixon, and he's the second most expensive running back on the championship weekend slate. That pricing just doesn't make sense to me. That's why I'm avoiding Joe Mixon everywhere. At least the two top running backs are the two underdogs. Yeah. Which is like the opposite of what you would think for – 
any, you know, anything that you've learned about football and fantasy and production and game flow, it's like the complete reverse. Yeah. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, Elijah Mitchell's touch total. We know he's going to get 15 to 20 touches a game. And so he feels safe there. And you know, the Niners are going to want to run the football. Both these defenses have been pretty good against the run all season long. But uh, again, Kyle Shanahan seems to have Sean McVay's number. So we'll kind of see how that plays out this weekend. I, I do think you can get Elijah Mitchell into your lineup, uh, especially ahead of a guy like Joe Mixon. As far as the Rams offense goes, I already explained how much I love Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think he's the best value at quarterback on the board this week. Cooper Cup, it's got an insane price, but if you wanted to build your lineup around some of those cheaper options, like I already mentioned, the CJ Uzama, Byron Pringle, or McCole Hardman, that's what's going to allow you to get a guy like Cooper Cup in the, into your lineup. And Cooper Cup has just been absolutely insane all year. He's been unstoppable, so he's probably the safest option at wide receiver that you can get, which is why he's the most expensive. Yeah, I agree. The, the other wide receivers are the ones that are more interesting to me. I mean, I know we like teasing Browns fans about the whole Odell thing, but like, we're not expecting more than like 60 yards and a touchdown from Odell, right? And then Van Jefferson is such a kind of boomer bust guy that it's like that that's more of a flyer than a guy you kind of hang your hat on. You'd think, right? Yeah, it's I like Van Jefferson's talent, but he in midway through the season, it seemed like we were kind of getting some consistency and like a safe floor from him in the passing game. And that's totally evaporated. Like he is nothing but a, a boomer bust dart throw at this point. So if you were going to go outside of Cooper Cup, it's Odell because he's got the safe floor. I agree. It's like 60 yards and a touchdown seems like he's safe for that. And that's basically been what he's provided to this offense and consistency. And Odell looks really good, too, by the way. So I've been really impressed with him so far uh, during the playoffs, and he's been making plays. So I think Odell is a really good value. Van Jefferson is just simply a dart throw. I'm curious how you feel about Cam Akers. So Cam Akers, we already talked about coming back from the Achilles injury. Same year is absolutely insane. Him looking that explosive. Absolutely insane. Last week, he totally took the backfield over again. They said, Sony, sorry. Thanks for all the hard work. Get out of here. It's Cam show again. But then he had the fumbles and the fumbles almost cost you the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would assume he's still going to be their starting running back this week and he's still going to get plenty of work. As I mentioned, it's a tough matchup against a, a solid 49ers run defense. I'm curious how you feel about Cam Akers because we know the Rams are going to take those deep shots, but they'll still try to run the football a little bit. I mean, if you look at what that uh, that offense or that defensive line did, against the Packers and the Packers really tried to roll out their best run blockers. They were able to stuff up that run game pretty easily. I know, I know that game was a little weird in green Bay just because AJ Dillon went out um, and the opening kickoff uh, in the second half, um, which ended up, he was out for the game. Their third running back only got one snap. So you ended up having Aaron Jones, who's a smaller back kind of do everything including inside run you know the entire second half so maybe he was gas and stuff but they were only able to come away with 60 yards and it really did seem like the Packers game plan was like we're going to try to run the ball and I think the Packers had a better offensive line than the Rams do right now so I don't know I, I don't like these backs um, in terms of being able to produce against that front the other thing I'll say is like this goes back to the Kansas City Chiefs thing where it's like why would you step off the gas when you're when you're playing against a team like this when you know Shanahan could pull some sort of like double reverse to Debo Samuel on like third and 16 and convert it. Like, why would you even take the risk? Keep scoring points. So I think, you know, they should just be passing the hell out of the ball the entire game. Yeah. Stafford has been lights out. So just put it in his hands. Yes. <laughs> like just ride with it, it, man. Yeah. Put it in his hands. That That's what you traded for him for. Like g give him the opportunity to, to just go get you to another Super Bowl. So, that's what I want to see. Uh, Cam Akers, I think he's got an opportunity there, but uh, I think there's some better running back values that you can get into your lineup. So let's actually, let's get into our pick three to get you guys set up for your DraftKings lineups and get you uh, our favorite sports bets of the week. Pick me! 
Pick one. On three. Pick three, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Pick three is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Reminder, we do this each and every week. I give you one quarterback, one running back, and one wide receiver. I think you can build your lineup around, try to get the most value so you can get some of those more expensive players in there like a Cooper Cup. And then we'll finish things up. Justice will give you his three favorite bets of the week from the DraftKings Sportsbook. I've been saying it all episode, so it shouldn't be a surprise. My pick three quarterback is Matthew Stafford. Him being the third cheapest quarterback at 6,300 this weekend feels like an absolute steal. I know the Niners defense has been fantastic so far in the playoffs, but Stafford has been one of those guys who has impressed me as much as anyone so far in the playoffs. He threw three touchdowns in their week 18 matchup. He's got at least two scores in both playoff performances. That feels like his floor in the NFC title game. The questions I had about him coming into the playoffs have been answered. He's been absolutely lights out. The Rams, I know they want to run the football, but the way you win this game is by attacking the San Francisco 49ers defense through the air. I think you have to do that with Matthew Stafford. My pick three running back is Jarek McKinnon. At $5,100, I don't really understand why he's cheaper than Clyde based on what he's done so far in their two playoff performances. He's just been lights out, right? He has added a dimension to their offense that has been missing in this Andy Reed, Patrick Mahomes attack for the last couple of years. Andy Reed is one of the best coaches in the NFL when it comes to scheming up screen passes to those running backs. And the chiefs haven't really been able to do that because they just don't use Clyde that way. Jarek McKinnon is that guy. He is a, a Damian Williams esque type of running back and they've been utilizing him that way. So even though Clyde's more healthy and he's coming off a strong performance, I love the value of Jarek McKinnon being $200 cheaper than Clyde. He's got a safe floor in their passing game, and he is he is going to have that role moving forward, I think. So he feels totally safe this week. He's got at least six targets in both playoff games. I love Jarek McKinnon. I, I think he's going to stay hot this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. My pick three wide receiver is Byron Pringle. It appears the Chiefs finally in the AFC title game have figured out who their number two wide receiver is. He's a bargain bin price at only $4,300. He's got five touchdowns in his last five games, including three touchdowns in the playoffs, and Mahomes seems to like targeting him near the goal line. So I think he's the safest Kansas City wide receiver outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So if you want to get parts of the Chiefs lineup, I, I don't think you can go wrong spending up for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think Byron Pringle is the best value that you can get into your lineup. And, you know, he's not going to, in all likelihood, not going to have like 150 yards or anything like that. But he's probably a safe, like 65, 70-yard wide receiver and a touchdown. I, I really like Byron Pringle. So that is my pick three wide receiver. Your pick three bets of the week, Justice. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, pick non-spreads, not only because there's only two games this week, but because I don't necessarily like one of the lines. Um, we're going to start off San Francisco at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites. What am I missing here? The San Francisco 49ers have not looked good. The fact that you know their offense hasn't didn't score a single point um, you know, in, in that uh, divisional round game is not a good look for them. I think the Rams are just going to outclass the 49ers, frankly. Um, this little Cinderella run, it's midnight. It's midnight, and your carriage is about to turn into a pumpkin, and that <laughs> pumpkin's name is Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I don't buy into it at all. Um, the next game, any time touchdown to Jamar Chase, minus 120. I like that. I like that. I know you're going to try to double Jamar Chase, all that stuff. The gravity of Chase, I understand. But he's still going to get his to a certain extent. It's not like he hasn't been playing, you know, all these games in the NFL and people have just been ignoring him. I mean, since that, what, the Packers game uh, in, in early October, I feel like every team has shifted to, like, this dude is a number one wide receiver. This dude is a top ten wide receiver in the league. We we need to treat him as such, and he's still been able to produce. So I'm not worried about his him getting his. If I'm taking any bet for Cincinnati this week, it's that Jamar Chase is getting an anytime touchdown. My last one. 
Jimmy Garoppolo, under 235 and a half passing yards. These are Jimmy Garoppolo's stats from the last six quarters. 16, 16 completions, 29 attempts, 170 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and that's not even including his sacks. So over the last six quarters, his under would have hit by 65 yards, 66 yards. I'm taking the under on Jimmy. I understand they're going to be in a passing situation. I, I just don't buy it, man. I don't buy these 49ers. They're the worst team that's left. Um, it's a damn shame. A damn shame that the Packers lost to this bum team. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I just don't think he has it in the tank. And I'd be floored if they make back if they make two Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's just no way. Especially this version, the banged up version. It can't happen. That is our pick three brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. It does feel like if the 49ers have some Trey Lance packages, this is the week to bust them out. Like, they didn't use them a single time against the Packers. They used them in the regular season, not in the postseason. Yeah, it seems like this is the week to, to bust those things out because you know what Jimmy G's limitations are. So Andy's just tired of fielding questions about the quarterback. So he's like, no, I'm not even, yeah. you don't even get a look at him. You don't even get like, a look at him. No, if you look at him, you're going to ask. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to live and die with Jimmy G. And Kyle Shanahan is, he, he's already going to die. He's yeah. going to die. Yep. <laughs> so hope everybody has a fantastic championship weekend. I hope you guys cash, win some money in your lineups, go win some contests, win some playoff challenges, do what you got to do, cash those bets in. Everybody enjoy your weekend. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. You can also subscribe and review on Spotify now, so help us get our numbers up over there. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week.